Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Um, well, we are wrapping up our Christmas tag series today, and we have tracked through um, there in Isaiah uh, chapter 9 verse 6 of all of those pieces and so today is is what does it mean what is what does it mean to respond to a God who gave himself who is Emmanuel who who is God with us so if you got your bulletin open you've got your um, following along whether you've done the QR or however you want to track along with us that this has been our concept that we've launched with that Christmas is a time for us to reflect on the greatest gift we've ever received, and that is Jesus. In that place of reflecting on gifts, I'm trying to figure out what's all included. I mean, you know, Clark family, we just did our Clark family gift, and, you know, and, and, you know, as the girls get different toys and stuff, you know, immediately, you know, you take an inventory of what's in the box. You got to figure out what's in, what's in the box. Some things come with batteries, some things don't come with batteries. You know, you got this great thing and it doesn't have any power. And you're like, ah, you got to go and, and, and get this thing going. But you immediately figure out what accessories come with this, all of the different things that are included. And so we just, we see the, the, the box, we see the label. But when we really begin to be able to utilize is when we open the box and we begin to see what the, all the parts are and, and even do the, the, the unbelievable thing of read the instructions. Read the, I know, it just, I feel like I almost have to cash in my man card when, you know, put that aside when I break open those instructions, but I have enough Christmases under my belt to know that those instructions are vital. You need the instructions because if you don't get the instructions on how to use what's included, um, you may end up kind of messing your life up. And so uh, 13 years ago, um, we were, Celebration Church did not exist, and the Clark family around this time um, was getting ready to go on a journey, and we had bought a big uh, motorhome uh, and had hooked our Suburban to it, and we were on an adventure. And so we were going to spend uh, 2008 uh, traveling. And uh, if you don't know the story of Celebration Church, we traveled um, for the year of 2008 and visited a bunch of churches, interviewed a bunch of pastors and leaders, and we just kind of went wherever we felt like, man, that church was getting done and, and disciples were being made and, and a a church was having an impact in its community and and we just we traveled and, and we we went around and had an amazing time and there was we had only five kids then as you can if you can say only five and so we have seven now um and there was so there were seven of us in a motor home full time I mean that was our life that was that was our house we lived in a motor home and so our very first journey, we knew had a connection with a guy who had a church that was making an impact um, in a mid-sized community in Almogordo, New Mexico. And so we were going to go over there. And since Almogordo is just about 45, 50 miles from Rio Doso, they're like, we'll make base camp in Rio Doso and go skiing and all that fun stuff. And so that was our very first stop. So we go there, we had a brand new motorhome, 
I had had the grand tour. The guy who sold me the motorhome showed me how everything worked. Um, but we were in Texas, and this part of Texas is flat. And this motorhome came with a deal that was self-leveling. It would You punch a button, and it levels itself. So he'd showed me how to do it, and I'm like, okay, we're good. We'd taken a little practice to San Antonio at an RV park there. All had worked fine. But then we get to the mountains of Ruidoso, and we're parked there, and we get there and disconnect everything, and, and I punch the button, and it does a few things, but then our motorhome is it's on the side of a mountain, and it's leaning. It's still just, it's not level. And I tried again, and I tried again, and finally I'm just like, man, something, we're going to have to take this thing back in. This thing is not working. And so for a week, we lived in a motorhome that was like that. You set something down on the countertop, and it just zoop. So you, it was like living in a fun house for a week. You come into the front of and you just walk up. You go down, you're walking down. You know, you're sitting there, you're laying in bed, and you got to tuck yourself in so you don't feel like you're rolling out of bed. It was not fun. It was this, it was awkward. It was, it was not cool. And I was like, man, something is messed up here. We get, go to our next place, and I hit the button, and it doesn't quite do it right. And I'm like, what are we doing? So, so thankfully, the guy that sold it to me, he was intrigued by what was going on and gave me his personal cell number. He'd had a big, um, had a deal where he sold tons of motorhomes, had a, a thing, but he was intrigued with what we were doing. He said, here's my personal cell number. So I call him, hey, hey, Buzz, um, uh, man, this thing isn't uh, leveling right. Um, and, you know, things are sliding off the counter. This is just not working. And he said, uh, when you're leveling it, do, do you have the engine on? No. I don't have that big old 350 horsepower Caterpillar diesel engine running. I thought I needed to turn it off. He's like, no, that's where it gets its power. All this thing is pneumatic. If that thing's not running, you can't, it isn't going to work. And so I was like, all right. So then I t- sit there and I turn the engine back on, redo it. Bam! It was perfect. And we've been living in a messed up, crooked bus for a week when the only thing that was broken was me because I was ignorant. That was the only broken piece on that whole thing was my knowledge. I was ignorant. I was sitting there and dealing and coping and coming up with ways to get through life that were unnecessary if I simply had a little bit of understanding of what I had already had. And sadly, that is too many believers' lives. As we try it once, oh, it didn't work. I tried it again, oh, it didn't work. So now I'm just going to have to figure out how to do this on my own. And this thing didn't quite work the way it was advertised that it was going to work. And the thing is, is that's why we've got to get into the word because we've been given the greatest gift ever, but there is so much included. We need to understand it. What does it mean to, to be able to connect with the Prince of Peace? What does it mean to be able to connect with a wonderful counselor? What does it mean to be able to connect with a, with a mighty God and an everlasting father? How do we actually live this out and not just cope with life, but actually enjoy what we have been given. Because Isaiah 9, 6 tells us, for to us a child is born, to us, it's to us, your 
name is on the tag. It's on there. Never, ever forget. Never forget that God so loved you that he sent Jesus. And his, your name is on the tag. For unto us a, ch- a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So how now do we begin to connect with that? How do we begin to connect with that? Well, just like I didn't just need that motor to just get me from point A to point B. I didn't need that diesel engine just to be able to get me from one place to another. It had to be active on for every, all of those pieces to work. I needed to be active. And sometimes we just need, we look and we just want to be able to connect with Jesus when we feel like we need to make a shift in life. I need to get from here to here. And then we say, okay, I'll park it, I'll turn it off. No, we need it for the fullness of life. Maybe, you, maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be. You're not needing a big life transformation on a point A to point B. You just need to be able to experience the fullness of where he already has you. And you still need Jesus. See, this Christmas holiday, this holy day, it's about worshiping Jesus. It's about worshiping him. That's why I love the last song we did. Oh, come, let us adore him. And that mix of that song tied in that his name will be. How do we connect? How do we connect with him as all that he is for us? Is this place of worship. And that doesn't mean, and we'll get into it, that you have to worship. That is this forced thing. No, it is a natural expression of understanding who he is and what he's done in our lives. Matthew chapter 2 verse 2. Here, here it is where we have the, the magi, we have the wise men. And it says, and, and uh, they'd asked, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Then say we've come to learn about him. We've come to check him out. We've come to introduce ourselves to him. He's a king, we're kings. He's gonna, we're gonna come and invite him into our, our, our little king group, our little king party. No, he said, we've come with all of our understanding, with all of our might, with all of who we are. We've come to acknowledge that he surpasses us. We've come to worship him. And see, and here's the place is so many times where we need to to be able to step into a wonderful counselor. We have to recognize that we don't have all the wisdom we need. That's part of the reason why his dad's kind of put the instruction book aside. Like, I got this. How hard can this be? And then we end up with something that doesn't quite work or is kind of isn't operating quite right. And, and finally, wife says, um, let's take this apart and let's do it according to the instructions. Let's, let's do this correctly. And so we have to understand. We get a wonderful counselor when we recognize it and we honor the fact that God is smarter than us, that he knows more than we do, that his ways are higher than our ways. We don't sit there and go, God, this is what I'm going to do. I need you to bless it. No, God, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Is this wise? 
Is this what you have for me? That's where we get our wonderful counselor. That is worship. It is honoring him above ourselves. That's how we get a mighty God. We tend to try to do things in our own strength. And then once we're tapped and our strength isn't working well, we realize I'm not kind of handling this. You know, how amazing would relationships be if we invited God in and go, you know what? Um, I'm going to need God's help in this relationship even when things are going good. Instead, we try and we battle it out with each other and we're like, okay, we're just about done. We're just about to call. Let's see if God can help us in this moment. We've tapped our own strength. See, if we're going to live with a mighty God active in our lives, we have to understand we need his strength all the time. Not just when we feel weak, we need it when we feel strong. We need it when we feel like we got this. You probably need him the most then. When you feel like you've got it, you probably need him the most. In this place of worship, this place of adoration is saying, as strong as I feel in this moment, I know you're stronger. And I need your help. I need to look to you. How do we get along with an everlasting father? Recognize that that we need him. We want to be grown up. We want to be the ones in charge. We want to do it, but we come into a place of submission that we need an everlasting father. And it's just a place of acknowledging his place. It's not, the worship is acknowledging his rightful spot. That is it. That he's the prince of peace. That he, he will be able to bring peace. So many times we only do that when we lack peace. If you want to live in peace, you have to constantly honor the prince of peace. Not just when you're in a place of anxiety, not just when you're in a place that where you're freaked out about stuff, but honor him all the time. And these guys who were at the top of life, these were the wise men, the magi, that they came in and they had stuff. They had the gold. They had the frankincense. They had the myrrh. They had the resources. They were on the top end of the food chain here. They were allowed to come in and talk to King Herod. King Herod opened his doors to him. He didn't open his doors to just any old person. He had straight up conversation with these guys just show up and he's like, yeah, I want to talk to you. These guys were at the top of life at that time and they came to worship him. At the top of life, they came to worship him so many times. And you know what? When you're at the bottom, he's there with you too. But if you want to keep moving forward, then you have to keep leaning on him. They've come to worship him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented to him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. So here are these guys, guys on the top of life. Then we also, last week we talked about the guys who were the shepherds, that the, that the angelic pro- proclamation, the skies opened up for the guys working the night shift, just the regular workaday guys. That was where the news came to. So yes, the, the top of the, of, the, of the world guys came up and showed to worship him. But guess what? The guys who got the news of who he was, they were the working guys. And, and Luke chapter 2 verse 20 says, the shepherds returned after seeing Jesus, glorifying, praising God for all the things that they had, had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Just to have a little fun this morning. Years ago, um, I 
penned a little deal, just having fun with this part of the story um, and just the letter H. So here we go. When the herdsmen had heard the heavenly host hail the highest hallelujahs, they hurried to the hay hammock to behold hopeless, hapless, helpless humanity's heaven-handed hero. Having <coughs> heeded the harbingers, they beheld the husband, helpmate, and the holy inhabitant of the hay Hey, holder. Hooray, howled the herdsman. Humanity has hope. Having hearts heaping with hilarity and hankering to help, they hastened to herald the huge headline. And that's what this is about. This is about us having received the greatest news ever in living in a place, living in a place of worship is a natural response to that, to be able to share and to declare to those around us of what has been done on our behalf. Because see, here's the truth, as we've all experienced it and lived it, that the, the chaos of the season will try to contend for our worship. It'll try to pull and redirect our worship. There are constant demands on our time and our money and our attention during this season. And the core places of us expressing our love and our gratitude and, and worship are in those three areas. Our time, our money, our attention, those different things. And we see here in Matthew chapter four that if the enemy was try to still Jesus is worship, well then I think he's honestly going to try to take our worship. And then here Jesus is being tempted after his time of fasting here in Matthew chapter 4 verse 9. It says, and the enemy says, the, the, the tempter Satan says, all of this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is a normal play right out of the enemy's playbook is to try to, to get to put anything, absolutely anything into that first position other than God. He's the only one that can handle it. He's the only one that belongs there. He's the only one where that life functions well there, but he wants us to put anything there. And we can slide that. We can easily slide self there. We can easily slide another person that we love and care for into that number one slot. We can put our careers, we can put all sorts of different things in there, but nothing functions there but God and God alone. In Matthew chapter 15, verse seven says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men so Jesus showed us that the worship that he's looking for is not showing up at a holy place and going through a bunch of ritual that's what they were doing and he says and and you're doing it in vain your worship is pointless because your hearts are not connected to it worship should be a natural expression of our hearts. Romans 1 25 says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. 
that is this place where there's this constant tension. And I love this holiday season. I love this time because we have an extended period of time that everywhere we look, and yes, it's pulling at us, and yes, it can become a distraction, but if you and I will let it, it will be a regular reminder of who God is, that, that he should be active in every piece of our lives. That as we go, it can be something beautiful. That we go to pump our gas and somebody's put tinsel around the little thing at the top of the gas pump. And that all of a sudden as we're pumping gas, we can be celebrating Jesus. If we're sitting there, we're walking down the grocery aisles and, and there's all sorts of decorations around the grocery store, then guess what? Just taking care of the family can be a worshipful, worshipful act of Jesus if we will bring him into it. There is nothing that can be separated from this place of our lives. We can, everything can be a constant thing of worshiping Jesus. See, worship is our response to God drawing near to us. It's not trying to get him to get near. He's already come near. It's our response of him coming near to us, okay? Now, let's say, all right, um, Carson, come here. I need you right quick. This is off the cuff. I did not plan this. Come here. Okay? All right, Carson, I want you to stand over there, okay? Now, he's on the stage with me, and it would probably, if he just came and stood up there, it would probably, I should probably give him some sort of a response. I should probably engage with him. Now, come a couple of steps closer, okay? Now, come a couple of steps closer. Now, as he gets closer, you can feel it. You can feel it yourself. You put yourself right here where I'm at. What is going up? This feeling that I ought to respond to him, okay? Let's take another step closer. What should I be doing? Should I should have a response to him. Take another step closer. Take another step closer. Take another step closer. Okay, now if I go on with my regular life with him right here, no response, anything. What is it apparent to everyone? I am purposefully ignoring him. I am purposefully ignoring him. I'm putting him out. I sh there should be some sort of response to the nearness of his presence. This is, it is a natural response our worship and to turn and to engage and to speak and to connect and to acknowledge and maybe even embrace yeah. is a natural response to the proximity, to the closeness. Thank you, buddy. And that is the way it should. And the Christmas season reminds us of the nearness of God. So many times we can just go along. And you guess what? If he was always that close, that'd be weird. <laughs> but eventually I would figure out a way to just go through life and I would begin to feel comfortable not acknowledging him, you know? As I'm sitting there, I would just do my life and then somebody's like, man, there, there's like a gr big growth on you. Yeah, that's my son. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of always there. 
And so, and uh, you know, other people may even be more aware of his presence in my life than I would be. As I said, and we can begin to find that in our own lives with God and to simply begin to acknowledge there ought to be, as he got closer and closer, the level of, of expectation that I should then respond to his nearness it gets higher and higher. And we need worship is a natural response to his nearness. It's not us calling him in. It's not us, God, please come. It's God, I recognize you're right here and I just want to acknowledge you and acknowledge your grandeur and acknowledge who you are and acknowledge what you've done in my life. It is a natural response. It ought to just kind of come up out of us. Um, a long time ago, um, San Angelo used to have a semi-pro football team. Anybody remember this, the old uh, stampede? Yeah, we had the San Angelo stampede that would take place over at uh, the Coliseum. And so our family was there watching the semi-pro football team uh, there taking place. And they would uh, have a some sort of a kick, a field goal kick of some kind um, there on the little super narrow little end zone down there. And Keenan was about nine years old. And so if, you know, the ball went over, you could you'd keep the ball. So, man, we were about sitting about midfield and uh, Keenan's like, hey, can I go down there and see if I can get the ball? Uh, well, at these games, um, alcohol is sold and some people partake quite a bit of it. Um, and so then when it came kick time, all of these men who had had way too much to drink were gathered down there in the end zone. And then there's my son who's about three rows up. And I don't see Chris Levesque here today, but I'm pretty sure Chris Levesque was a part, was with Keenan when this happened. And so we're sitting there about midfield and we see the ball go and it goes low, way too low for Keenan to have a play at the ball. And all of these drunk guys begin to just pile on this ball down on the end. And so we're like, okay. And then we see our nine-year-old son launch himself from about two rows up into the pile. And Cutie and I both see just this body nine-year-old body jump in with a bunch of grown men fighting over a ball and you just see he didn't even think about it he just responded he just could not help himself and cutie is like get him go get him and I'm like it's gonna be over by the time I get there but I'm all right, I'm gonna go get him. And it was over by the time I got there, he did not get the ball. And, uh, and so, but all she could see was him getting beat up by a bunch of drunk guys as he was trying to get in the thick of it. But it was just this immediate response. He could not help himself. There was something of value in the middle of the mayhem and he didn't care what else was going on. He had to go get it. And worship, when we recognize it, so many times we feel like that there are times that the world is just too messed up. It's too chaotic. There's too much going on. There's all of these different things. There's be an easier time to worship. There'll be another time to worship. And I'm telling you, when you recognize the, how good God is, how much he has for you, a natural response would be throw yourself in the middle of whatever has happened in their value and not care what else is going on. And just say, you know what? 
God, I'm going to get a hold of that. I'm going to get a hold of it. And this year, we need to understand it. Guess what? All of us, about September, were saying, you know what? I can't wait for 2021. This is kind of dying down. It's going to be a better year. Things are going to be different. We're here the last Sunday of 2020. There's as much stuff still going on. There's all of this. We don't see the immediate end of this in sight. We're going to go into January, and January 2021 is going to feel like 2013, like the 13th month of 2020. That's what it's going to feel like. And at some point, things are going to begin to shift. I promise you that. They will. But here's the thing is we had set our hopes a little bit. Oh, maybe there's just this 2020 is it. Well, guess what? It's going to spill over. We need to, to quit saying I'm just going to park my life and wait for things to get better. No, we've got to begin to be wise, but we've got to pursue what God has for us. We have to pursue what God has for us. We have to and understand that. We have to be able to do that. We can't wait for some new year to do it, some new thing. We have to trust God, be wise, be smart, and trust him and move forward. See, true worship, it's, it's not a forced requirement. It's an expression of the heart. Matthew 1, says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he'll be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's near. Matthew 2, 2 says, and, and they asked, where's the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him again. Again, it's this place of coming to pursue. Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He's near. And Matthew 10.22 says, so, so let us come near to God with an honest and true heart. Let us come near with a faith that is sure and strong. Our hearts have been sprinkled. Our minds have been cleansed from a sense of guilt. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. This is is a season to remind us of the nearness of God. And our response to that should be to acknowledge him, to worship him. See, our bottom line today is this, that the the gift of Jesus is worthy of worship. It's worthy. It's worthy of worship. When we recognize who he is and what he's accomplished in our lives and on our behalf, it's, he's worthy. He's worthy of worship. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.